2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I want to talk to you today about finding hope in the midst of real life. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse beginning in verse 7. The apostle Paul says, "But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, some translations render that jars of clay. We, we have this treasure. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the, the gift of, of forgiveness and freedom that we have in Christ. We have this unbelievable, wonderful treasure and this great, great power, but it's been placed in very breakable containers, earthen vessels, jars of clay. And the reason God did that is so the, the excellency of the power all of the glory would go to God and not to us. Now Paul begins to describe his circumstance. And I want you to understand as Paul does this, if any of you have devotionals or, or, or scripture book, I'm talking about God's promises, scriptures, or, or, or little uh, uh, magnets on your refrigerator or, or scriptures that you write out and put on your mirror and, and they're confessions of faith or confessions of victory, most likely... At least some of them, if not most of them, came from the writings of the Apostle Paul. Uh, when you read the book of Ephesians, you read the book of Galatians, you read the book of Romans, you, you read the writings that the Holy Spirit inspired him to give us, and there are all kinds of verses that pertain to victory and strength and faith and, and all of that is, as it should be. And yet Paul, who, for lack of a better way of saying it, wrote the book on faith and victory and power, says that here's how his life is at this moment. Verse 8, he and all of his companions, we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed. That literally means we don't know what to do, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. We're always carrying about in the body, talking about the physical body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in this same physical body. For we who live, I want you to notice this phrasing, we who live are always, we are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. There is no question that Paul expected not only himself and his companions, but all of us as the family of God to experience life and freedom and victory before we get to heaven. If he was just talking about victory in heaven, he would have said in our immortal flesh, because when we get to heaven, mortal flesh is not going. This corruption is going to put on incorruption, and this mortality is going to put on immortality. But he said that we would experience or manifest or show forth life in our mortal flesh, in this body right here and now that it would be manifested. Verse 12 says, So then death is working in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak, knowing, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes. Why? So that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Now Paul, who had no lack of faith and strength and spiritual power, says that right now, here's my circumstance. And here's the circumstance of all my companions. His companions would have been the physician Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke and the Acts of the Apostles. His companions at any given time could have been John Mark, could have been Barnabas, could have been Silas, one of the other apostles or an apprentice to himself. Otherwise, these were solid men of God, Christians who knew God to the depths of their being and knew how to walk with God. He starts out by saying, here's the situation. We have unbelievable power and, and incomparable life and great strength and victory because of the spirit that's in us, this treasure that we have. But here's the problem. The treasure's been put into a jar of clay. It's been placed in an earthen vessel. And this earthen vessel is subject 
to confusion and anxiety and fear and depression and pain and sickness, this jar of clay has cracks in it. Which makes it all the more amazing when we get it right. It makes it all the more breathtaking when we really do walk in love and we really do have peace in the midst of the storm and we really do experience answers to prayer and victory and power because this treasure is in a jar of clay and when people look at us, they're not supposed to look at you and I and say, wow, well, I understand why they have victory. All you got to do is look at them and see they got it together. That's not the way it's supposed to work. It's supposed to work by people looking at us saying, all I see is a cracked pot. So the fact that they're walking and talking at the same time that they have any level of victory and peace, then the excellency of the power and the glory goes to God. God must be doing something in their life because there is no way they could do this by themselves. That's what he's saying. And he goes on to say this, right now in our circumstance at this moment, most likely because of persecution because of the gospel, right now we are hard-pressed. On every side, I don't know about you, but I'm a, I'm a child of the 70s, so I remember the original Star Wars movie. You know the best one? Amen. <laughs> Thank you, brother. And I remember particularly when I read this verse, the scene of Han Solo and Princess Leia and Luke Skywalker and them in, in, the, in the trash compactor and the walls are pressing in, you know, and they're, they're trying to get the thing that will hold them, you know, hold everything apart and you just know it's going to break in a moment and you, and you can even feel you know, the stress and the frustration, you know, and, and their lives are, and that's literally what the connotation of that word means. They are that pressed. They're under that kind of stress load. They've got so much going on and things could break apart at any moment. He says, we are hard pressed on every side, yet <laughs> we're not crushed. We're still breathing. We're still alive. We're still being faithful. We're still doing what God told us to do. And then he says we're perplexed. And for faith folks, and I'm a fa I consider myself one of those, that was a hard one to take. Because don't you know, we know what to do all the time, don't we? I mean, we've always got an answer. Just ask me. Matter of fact, don't ask me. I'll tell you without you asking me. I've always got something to say. We faith folks, we can tell everybody how they need to live without ever being asked our opinion. We know everything about everything. And if you don't ask me, i got a verse that I can quote to you. Matter of fact, i got 29 others as a backup. And sometimes I don't care how bad you're hurting. I just want to quote my verse. Amen. That was just a little preaching anyway. Let, let me just back back down. Paul who wrote all those verses that you're quoting right now says I'm perplexed. I don't know what to do. Oh Paul, what a negative confession. Where'd your faith go Paul? You must be walking in doubt now. Confusion. Strike that out of scripture. We don't want to believe that. Well you can strike it out of scripture all you want to but let me promise you I don't care how much you put on your shout I know that sometimes on Tuesday morning you don't have a clue what you're going to do next. I've lived long enough to know that. I, I, I don't care what you act like on Sunday morning. I know that on about Thursday night or, or, or Friday morning at 3 a.m. when all the problems were, I know you toss and turn just like everybody else. Now, you may not tell anybody that you toss and turn, and once you've tossed and turned all night long, you may know how to put the faith confession on, and that's a good thing on Friday morning. But my point is, you get perplexed just like everybody else. And listen, if Paul got perplexed, I promise you I, I know for a fact you do. He didn't know what to do. That's literally what that word means. He was clueless. At the moment, I don't know what my answer is. If you pressed him at that moment, Paul, what's your next step? Paul would say, I don't know. And you know what? That's all right. Because he knew who was going to tell him the next step, and he wasn't going to move until God said. It's okay not to know where your next step is or what you're going to do next as long as you just know who you're listening to. And how many of you have loved with God long enough to figure out He don't always tell us what He wants us to do as quick as we would like for Him to? Sometimes it takes a whole lot longer to hear what you're needing to hear from God than what you wish it would. And real faith, having done all to stand, stands therefore.
even if the place you're standing is a place of perplexity. He says, we're perplexed, but we're not in despair. I don't know what I'm going to do next, but I'm not quitting. I don't know what I'm going to do next, but I'm not giving up. I don't know what I'm going to do next, but I'm not throwing up my hands in defeat. I don't know what I'm going to do next, but I'm not in despair. We're persecuted. You know, the Bible says all those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. I'm just, everybody always misunderstands me. Nobody understands me. I just don't know. I, I just don't understand why the Lord's allowing this attack against me. It just seems like nobody likes me. It just seems like, you know, Jesus said if they hated the master, they're going to hate the servant. Now, if you're getting persecuted because you've just said some things you shouldn't have said or acted in a way you shouldn't act, that's on you. That's your problem. You need to make that right. But if you're being persecuted because of the stand you're taking for Christ, if you're being persecuted because you're sharing the gospel with others, if you're being persecuted because you're being obedient to God and nobody else in your family, nobody else in your workplace, and nobody else in your neighborhood understands that, and they would just feel better about it if you'd be like everybody else, then you're just experiencing exactly what God said you would. And he said, actually, in Matthew, he told his disciples that they should just rejoice when that happens, when people persecute you. And that word rejoice there literally means leap up in the air and spin around for joy, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So Paul says, you know what, we're being persecuted. And here's the thing with Paul. When Paul says we're being persecuted, that doesn't just mean that somebody made fun of him on Facebook. It doesn't just mean that somebody didn't like his stance and they ran it about him on Facebook and hurt their feelings. When Paul says, I'm being persecuted, it meant he was in prison. Or he had just been beaten the night before. Or stoned and left for dead. Or getting ready to go be beheaded and killed for the, for the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, we are persecuted, but even in the persecution, I know this. We are not forsaken. Now, I want you to wrap your mind around that for a minute. In our darkest moment, God's still here. When I'm at my loneliest, God hasn't walked away from me. You see, I said, this is how we find hope. The title was In Real Life. Because, see, I don't know about everybody else, but I live in the real world and in a real life. And in real life, you have problems. You say, well, if we have enough faith, we won't. Well, bless your heart, you must think you're going to have more faith than Jesus because he did. Matter of fact, let me share this with you. Jesus said the opposite. Now, I don't know whose Bible you're reading and whose verses you're quoting, but Jesus said this. So if I'm going to follow somebody, I'd rather follow Jesus than brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so that wrote a book last week. Jesus said, in this world, how many of you are in this world? We're not in some false world, some fake world somewhere else. We're in this world. And he said, as long as you're in this world, you will have, not you might, you will have tribulation. And that word tribulation can be translated trouble. As long as you're living and breathing in this world, there will be trouble. But then he said this amazing thing. Be of good cheer because I have overcome this world. So Paul says we're persecuted, but even though we're being persecuted, we're not forsaken. God's with us. We're struck down. That's okay. We're not destroyed. We're always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord so that the life of Jesus would be manifest in us. He talks to the church now, and if you skip down to verse 13, he says, we have the, we have, now he's talking to you and me, we have the same spirit of faith according to what is, now I love that verse. So Paul, would you agree with me that Paul faced some hard times? Raise your hand if you agree with that. Then guess what? You're probably going to face some hard times. But you know what? No matter what hard times you face, we have the same spirit of faith that Paul did. And the faith that Paul had turned the world upside down. The faith that Paul had saw people set free from, and by the thousands, people set free, healed, made whole. That we have the same spirit of faith. And here's how it works. Therefore, it is written... I have believed, and therefore I spoke. So we also believe, and therefore speak. How do we have hope in the real world? We believe the word of God more than we believe our circumstance. We, now listen, here's the difference between what I call 
people who have faith and live in a fake world and people who have faith and live in the real world. The Bible does not say you deny your circumstance. It says we believe what the Bible says and we believe it more than we believe our circumstance. So I just love it when people come in. (coughs) (coughs) How you doing? Bless God, I'm healed. Hallelujah. Bless God, I'm great. No, you're not. You're sick as a dog right now, honey. But you deny the right of that sickness to hold you. See, I'm not denying that I've been attacked by sickness. I'm denying that it has a right to hold me. I'm not denying that I've been attacked by depression. I'm denying that it has a right to hold me. I'm not denying that I've been attacked by the temptation to sin. I'm denying that it has the right to control me. I'm not denying that I may be attacked by fear. I'm denying that it has a right to stay in my life. I'm not denying that we're in a dark day and a difficult time for which very few people have the answers. I'm denying the fact that there is no answer because I know his name. I'm not denying the reality of the real world that I live in because faith doesn't do that. Faith looks head on and square on facing the problem that we have and declares that my Jesus is greater than this problem and I don't know when and I don't know how. I may be persecuted but I'm not forsaken. I may be hard pressed but I'm not in despair. I may be perplexed and don't know the answer but just give me some time because I've got access to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. I have the same spirit of faith that Paul and the apostles did and here's how it works. I believe and therefore I speak. I I am being attacked, you may say, with fear right now, but in the name of Jesus, God has not given me a spirit of fear. So guess what? That tells me the fear didn't come from God. So if it didn't come from God, then I know where it came from, and that means it doesn't have a right to stay. So in the name of Jesus, I declare that God's given me a power, and God's given me love, and God's given me a sound mind. I declare that He is perfect love, and He surrounds me, and perfect love drives fear away. So I begin to speak what I believe. And that's how faith works. The real thing. It doesn't deny reality. It just declares that there's a greater reality that rules above whatever's attacking you today. And it stands and holds on and believes. Verse 16. Therefore, we don't lose heart. We don't give up. We don't quit. Notice this phrase. Even though the outward man is perishing, Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Now now notice this. Paul says the outward man's perishing. Guess what? The longer you live, the more you're going to figure out the outward man is perishing. I deny that in the name of Jesus. I deny that in the name of Jesus. I deny that in the name of Jesus. Have fun with that. Because every day, the outward man is perishing. Do you know why? God designed it that way. Because this is not all there is. This this tent, this is what the Bible calls our body. It's a tent. It's just a temporary dwelling. It is fading away, the Bible says. We weren't designed to live inside this tent forever. Because this is not all there is. Thank God. This is not all there is. But here's the good news. See, that's reality now. That may not be what you want to hear. Maybe you wanted me to give you a 12-point message as to how you can live forever. Well, you will live forever, but not in this body. You're not. See, I could preach some fake faith to you, but if you want to preach the real faith, the Bible actually says the outward man's being, it's perishing day by day. So what do you do with that? You stop focusing on the outward man that isn't here forever and start focusing on the inward man that is because even though your outward man is perishing, you can renew the inward man in the presence of God every single day that you live. And though the outward man may be weaker, the inward man can get stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And see, here's the good news about that. Ultimately, the inward man has a greater effect on the outward man than we could ever begin to imagine. If you really want to do the best thing you can for your physical health, make sure your spiritual health is good. You can focus all day long on your physical health. You know, Paul even said this. He said, you know, uh, bodily exercise profits little. 
For those of us who don't like to go to the gym, that's a verse we love to quote. It doesn't say that bodily exercise is of no value. It does have some value. But in comparison to spiritual exercise, it has very little value. Otherwise, if you focus everything on the outside, guess what? You're still going to die. But if you focus everything on the inside and renew your inward man in the Word of God, in the presence of God, and obey the, what He tells you to do, you're going to be renewed. I like that. Day by day, that means it can happen every single day. I can, I can get better every day. Spiritually, I can get better every day. And that's the expectation for the people of God. And that's in the real world. I love the way he looks at life. And your perspective is key. Your attitude is important. Paul says this, For our light affliction, light affliction, that comes from someone who knew what it was to be shipwrecked, who knew what it was to be imperiled by robbers, and, and he even says in one place to be imperiled by, by wild animals and wild beasts. He knew what it was to be put in stocks and, and, and be in the inner dungeon of the prison at midnight. He knew what it was to be beaten. He knew what affliction was, and yet he calls it all light affliction. His perspective was, oh, well, this is nothing compared to what Jesus went through for me. This is nothing, but here's the real thing. He says, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Look at his perspective. Everything here is temporary. I don't care how I feel right now. It ain't going to last forever. I don't, one of my wife's favorite verses is, and it came to pass. And it does. It's not here forever. It's going to pass. This battle that you feel like you've been in forever, it ain't going to last forever. It's just for a moment. Just a moment in time. This light affliction, which is but for, the, for a moment, is working for us a more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Otherwise, he's saying this, God gets the last word. And you see, that's what real faith understands. No matter what we see on the news, God's going to get the final word. No matter what we see in our own lives, it's not over because God gets the final word. He's sovereign like that. He's in control like that. Everything that happens in this world and everything that happens in your life doesn't come from God. But God gets the last word on everything that happens, particularly in the life of those who have dedicated their lives to Him. So He says, whatever I'm going through in comparison to what Jesus has done for me, it's not even worth mentioning. It's light. And something else, it's just temporary. It's just here for a moment. And whatever's going on, God gets the final word in it. In Romans 8, 28, remember Paul wrote that too? Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he said, We know that God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are the called according to his purpose. Now, see, we don't believe that verse. I know some of you just got offended at me because I told you you didn't believe that verse. You don't speak for me, Pastor. Well, we apparently don't believe that verse because every time something bad happens, we wonder where God went and what God's doing. We get upset and we get mad and we want to quit. That means we don't believe that verse. Well, I said I did. Well, you can say a lot of things, but what you really believe is proven by how you live. And I'm talking to me too. If I believe that God works all things together for the good, that doesn't mean everything that happens is good because there are some things that aren't good at all. There are some things that are pure evil. But as a child of God, with real faith in the real world, I believe that God gets the final word. And eventually, no matter what the enemy throws at me, if I trust him, God's going to work behind the scenes to ultimately turn it around for my good. Now, if you believe that, you'll face your life with hope instead of despair. You'll have real hope in the real world. See, I'm not interested in platitudes. As a matter of fact, the older I get, by the way, I'm not anywhere near old yet. But the older I get, the less time I have for platitudes, cliches. And man, charismatics are full of them. Bumper sticker religion, t-shirt religion, whatever the neatest little saying is, that's what we begin to quote. 
And that's fine if you really believe it, but the problem is half those things, we just read it and they sound cool, so we say them, and we don't really think about what they even mean. We don't really believe them. What I am interested in is what the Bible actually says. And what Paul says here is God ultimately turns things around. No matter what we see, God is faithful. He goes on to say this in verse 18. We do not look at the things which are seen, but at things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen, those are eternal. So I'm not going to... Now when he says we don't look at them, he's not saying I don't see them. He's not saying that he's denying that they happened. What he's saying is that word look means I'm not focusing there. I refuse to focus on what I can see. Instead, I'm going to focus on what I can't see. Because the things I can see, no matter what it is, it's just temporary. But the things that are unseen, that's the real thing. Those are eternal. Those are the things that will last forever. That's where I'm putting my focus. So I'm looking at God and His Word. I'm looking at heaven. I'm looking at the promise of Scripture. I'm looking at the calling of God on my life. What about that? Well, Brother Lynn, you just don't understand this, 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 this. Yeah, but you're looking at temporary things, right? I mean, yeah, but this is where I'm at right now. Yeah, but it's temporary, right? What's eternal? The Bible says the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. Well, that'll pretty much make them eternal, I guess, right? So what about your calling? What about your anointing? What about that promise God gave you? What about that vision that God gave you for your life that hasn't been fulfilled yet because you've hit this snag and this difficulty and this problem and had this battle? And right now all you see is the battle and the difficulty and the problem. Maybe even you fail. Maybe you're living in sin. Well, that's not right. You've got to get right with God and get out of the sin. But even that's temporary unless you choose to make it something that lasts because the Bible says if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I'm going to say something to somebody in this room today I did not plan to say. Some of you will say, yeah, but yeah, but nobody else will forgive me. Yeah, but you see, it doesn't say that we are faithful and just to forgive you. What we do and don't do doesn't ultimately matter. It says that Jesus is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all. There may be some people who will never forgive you, but that doesn't matter. You will never stand and give an account to those people. You will stand and give an account to God. And when you stand and give an account to God, if you confess, that means you come into agreement completely with God about your sin. He will forgive your sin and cleanse you from all all unrighteousness. That means there's nothing left so you can get back on track with your vision and with your calling and with your purpose. You can get your focus back on what's eternal and get it off of what's only temporary. I want you to look in one other scripture with me tonight or this morning. And that's I haven't preached that long yet. It's still morning, right? Uh, let's look at Hebrews. Never know with me. Hebrews chapter 10. And I want to begin in verse 35. It says, Therefore do not cast away, don't throw away, your confidence, your hope, your faith. Don't throw it away. Why? Because it carries with it a great reward. So don't throw away your confidence because it has a great reward. For you have need, and this is a key, you have need of endurance. If there is one thing that the modern day church, and since we're charismatic, I'll talk to charismatics. If there's one thing that the charismatic church needs, we need endurance. See, if all we had was just a 50-yard dash, all of us would do great. But the problem is the Christian life is a marathon. It's not just a quick sprint. You've got to be faithful over the long haul. And he says, what we need is endurance. See, here's the problem with many of us. We've been taught, with genu- genuinely, most of the time, with right motives. We've been taught that if you've got enough faith, and you pray the right prayers, and you make the right confessions, that you're guaranteed this is the way it's going to work. And let me tell you something. 
I've seen that come to pass so many times I can't count it. But here's the real world. I've also seen it not happen. So here's what we tend to do. Because we can't handle dealing with that, we tend to blame the person. Well, something must have been wrong. They did that all the way back in Jesus' day. Matter of fact, boy, faith folks will have a real problem with this verse. That's why we skip over it. Jesus healed someone who was born, who was born blind, and the general rule of the day was if someone was born blind like that, they or their parents must have committed some type of sin for that to have come upon them. So the disciples come and they ask Jesus, said, well, who committed sin, this man that was healed or his parents, that this should come upon him? And Jesus said, ready for this, neither one. This was for the glory of God. Wrap your mind around that one for a while. I won't even try to interpret. He wasn't 12. He was an adult. One time somebody came and asked Jesus about a tragedy of the day. What happened is a tower had fallen on some people and they had died. They were just there and the tower fell and they died. Just an accident, a tragic accident. And somebody came out and said, well, they tried to get Jesus to explain. Well, what happened? Was it because of sin? Was it, we, here's how we did it. Did they not have enough faith? What was wrong? And Jesus, you know what Jesus did? He didn't even answer them. He just even, didn't even dignify their question with a response. He didn't even answer. He just went on and preached, taught about something else. Now, we could have a thousand different reasons why Jesus didn't give them an answer, but I personally think because he was just trying to make a statement without making a statement. These things happen. These things happen in a real world where there's real life. So what do we do in a real world where we have real life if we want to have hope? Well, if we really want to see the power of God and the move of God, we're going to need endurance. That means when things don't work out the way I want them to work out, don't throw your faith away. When things don't happen the way I thought they would happen, the way I visualized them in my mind, don't throw your confidence away. When, when things turn out exactly the opposite of what I wanted, don't throw your confidence away. Why? Because your confidence, your hope, your faith carries the reward with it. You need endurance. Why? Finish that verse. So that after you have done the after, after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. See, here's what all of us want. God, if you will bless me with this, I will do what you want. God, if you will answer this prayer, I'll go here, I'll go there, I'll say this. God, if you will supply me with everything I could possibly ever need, I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I want to give you just a little revelation. Now hang on, this is deep stuff. Ready? It doesn't work that way. Because you see, there would be no faith required there. If, if you need 20 bucks to get something get done and you say, God, if you don't give me a million, I won't do the 20, and God gives you a million, there's no faith there because all you needed was 20, right? Anybody could do that. Somebody who doesn't know Jesus at all could do that. The Bible doesn't say we walk by what we see. It says we walk by faith, not by sight. So what we need is endurance. You see, what God is looking at and what ultimately God is, is, is interested in is are you willing to follow me? Are you willing to do what I say? See, we're interested in a whole lot of things. God's interested in are you going to follow me? It's an amazing thing. I'm about done, but it's an amazing thing. I've been reading in my morning devotionals in two of the different ones. I'm in different Gospels, and both of them had me at about the same place this week. Ironically, it's, it's, it's towards the end of Jesus' life where Peter's standing up, and he said, If every one of these disciples walk away from you, I'll never forsake you. Why, well, I'll die for you, Lord. And, and you, you listen to the, <laughs> to the arrogance in that, really. He said, Now, these other guys, they may leave. I can see that. I can see that. They're kind of shady. Not me, Lord. Not me. I'll be here to the very end. Now, I want you to get this because this is a prophecy Jesus gave. Now, please, charismatics, wrap your mind around this. How many of you believe in prophecy? How many of you love prophecy? You know why you love prophecy? 
Because almost, almost every prophecy you've had, thus saith the Lord, I'm about to move. Bless God, you're about to move into new It's a new season, hallelujah. And all those things are great. I'm getting ready to, to break the curtain. Uh, that's all wonderful and it may all be God. Here's a prophecy Jesus gave to Peter. He said, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny that you even knew me three times. That's a prophecy. Wasn't a good one. Listen, but it was the truth. Which, what do you want? What do we want? I can answer that question for most of us, including myself. We just want good news. We just want something good. I could break into a song, but some of you might not like it, so we'll leave it there. We want something good. Jesus said, it's not going to go the way you like it, Peter. You think you're going to follow me. You're about to deny three times that you ever knew my name. And he did. Matter of fact, the third time he was so intent on it, he swore an oath. It's a big deal. He swore an oath that he never knew the man. Same night, by the way. This wasn't weeks later or months later. It was just hours later. And then the rooster crowed, and one of the gospels says Jesus looked at him. And the Bible says Peter went out and he wept bitterly because he remembered what Jesus had said. And then, you know, we can move on to better news. Jesus raises again and on the third day. He invites his apostles and he even says to the ladies, make sure you tell the apostles and Peter that I'm going ahead of you in Galilee because I think he knew Peter was probably devastated. And so he wanted to make sure Peter knew he was still welcome. And so Peter shows up, and they're out fishing all night, and they can't catch anything. And from the shore, someone calls and said, Hey, boys, did you catch any fish? I said, No, we've been out all night and hadn't caught anything. Well, throw the net on the other side. Oh, boy, deja vu. That's happened before. So they throw the, the, the net on the other side, and they get such a big catch of fish, they can't bring it all in. And John looks at Peter, and he says, Ha, it's the Lord. Great deduction. And so Peter jumps in and swims to shore. He's so excited to see Jesus. And Three times Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? He says, well, you know I love you, Lord. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Lord, and the Bible says Peter was grieved that he asked him the third time. He said, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, feed my sheep. So Jesus gives Peter three chances now to affirm that he does love him. And I can imagine the joy in Peter's heart, the life that's there. And boy, wouldn't you like for me to end the story. But you see, I'm talking about real faith in the real world, so I'm not going to end right there. There's something else that happens. Jesus prophesies again. Oh, this time it's going to be good. I just know it. It's going to be something wonderful about how God's going to bless him with a worldwide ministry and all that kind of stuff. Actually, Jesus says, you know, Peter, when you're an old man, people are going to tie your hands together. They're going to take you where you don't want to, where you don't want to go and do what you don't want them to do. And the Bible says that in that prophecy, Jesus signified the way Peter was going to die for him. Otherwise, you're going to be martyred. Here's the way it's going to end, Peter. You said you were willing to die for me. Guess what? You really are going to do that someday. And history tells us that Peter wound up being crucified upside down by his own choice because he didn't feel worthy of being crucified the same way his Lord was crucified. And he did give his life for Jesus. But I don't know about you, but if that was the prophecy somebody gave over me, I don't know that I'd be excited about it. Matter of fact, I might be tempted to rebuke that in the name of Jesus, you know. But it'd be real hard when it's Jesus doing the prophesying. See, we're talking about a real world, not one that we dream of. You see, in the real world, Jesus says, anybody who doesn't pick up his cross and deny himself, he can't be my disciple. In the real world, in real discipleship, Jesus says the first will be the last and the last will be the first. And the person who wants to be the greatest among you must become the servant of all. And you see, in the real world, that's the path to real victory and real hope. Because you see, real hope is living for something more than what we find in this world. Do I have hope for this world? By all means, yes, I do. But if I'm going to experience victory here, I need something that we don't have in great supply in our day. Endurance. 
so that after I've done what God said, even when everything's going wrong, even when I don't feel like it, even when the circumstances are going against me, even when, when people misunderstand, after I've done the will of God, then I will inherit the promise. Why? Because I had endurance. If you don't have endurance, you may not inherit the promise. Because why? Because you'll throw your faith away before it has chance to mature. Verse 37, and we'll close. Yet a little while, and he who is coming will come, and he will not tarry. But now, now I want you to see this little transition. Yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Boy, we get excited. Woo, we're in the last days. Hallelujah. Jesus is coming. One day the trumpet's going to sound, and our feet are going to leave this ground. Hallelujah. We're going to meet Jesus in the air, and all of that's true. One day. One day. Yet a little while. And he who's coming, he'll come, and he won't tarry. He's talking a little bit more there than just about the return of the Lord. He's talking about whatever that promise was, whatever God said he was going to do. In a little while, he's going to do it, and he won't tarry. That's great. But what about now? See, I'm not living in the future. I'm living today. What about now? Now, though, right here, right now, the just, that's the righteous ones, here's how they live. They live by faith. Someday, that promise is going to be fulfilled. That answer to prayer is coming someday. It may be today. Maybe may be instant. Maybe years from now. But someday, He who's coming will come. But right now, the just live by faith. Right now, I just live knowing that God is faithful. Right now, I just live knowing that God gets the last word. Right now, I just live knowing that whatever I'm seeing, God's going to work it together for good because no matter what comes my way, I'm going to love Him and I'm going to keep being faithful to what He's called me to do. Right now, I, I, I may not see everything I want to see, but thank God I have endurance. Thank God because I have endurance, I'm just going to keep doing the will of God no matter how I feel or what I see because if I'll keep doing what God told me to do even when I don't feel anything, then one day I will inherit the promise. One day Jesus is coming. One day revival is going to hit this place. One day the power of God is going to touch my life and my family. One day I'm going to see God manifest whatever it is I'm praying for. One day it's coming and he who's coming will come and not tarry. But until then, right now, I'll live by faith. No matter what I see, feel, or hear, I'm trusting God. Do you believe that you're healed? Absolutely. You may be battling with sickness and disease right now, but I believe that I'm healed in the name of Jesus. Why? Because I believe that His reality trumps this reality all day long. I believe that greater is He that's in me than He that's in the world. I'm not denying where I am, and I'm not giving up, and I'm not quitting. And while I'm here, I'm going to keep doing everything God called me to do. Because why? Because if I have endurance, and if I don't throw away my confidence, then the promise is surely going to come to pass. So I'm just going to trust the Lord. And I'm going to walk in His ways. And right now, in this world... I'll live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But I'll close with verse 39. We are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. I could have kept reading verse 1 of chapter 11. Now faith is. How we live by faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things you can't see. Whatever you're believing God for that you're not holding in your hand right now, you know what faith is? It's the reality of that that you, can, you, you can't see it with your physical eyes, but you haven't lost your hope. And you haven't lost your faith. And you haven't thrown away your confidence. And you haven't given up. Galatians says it this way, Don't grow weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you faint not. If you don't quit you don't give up real hope in real life comes from knowing the promise of God believing the promise of God but refusing to focus on temporary things and instead keeping your eyes on the eternal faithfulness of an eternal God who always has the last word now why is that so important for me and you because tomorrow I don't know what the news is going to show. Chances are, before this week is out, there will be bad news somewhere. 
Tomorrow? I don't know what tomorrow brings. But I know that whatever tomorrow brings, it will never change who God is. And it will never change His Word. And it will never change His love for me. I get to choose what I focus on. I can either focus on the temporary things, what the enemy wants me to see today, or I can focus on eternal things and realize that God will have the last word. In the meantime, God, what is it you want me to do? Because I'm going to keep doing what you call me to do no matter what I see. Won't give up. Not going to despair. I have hope. He's on the throne. (laughs) And he's my friend. And he's your friend. So you don't have to be afraid. I want you to bow your heads with me today. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you, God, for time in your presence. We thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that your word doesn't ever pull any punches. It, it, it doesn't just paint a, a rosy picture all the time that, and deny reality. Lord, it speaks truth. But, Lord, it tells us how to live in the midst of whatever the enemy attacks us with and how to come through to victory. So, God, for those in this room today who are struggling with what life is throwing at them right now, struggling with what the enemy may be putting in their path right now, Father God, I just thank you that in their heart they're going to know that greater are you in them than he that is in the world. God, they're going to know that your word stands forever in the heavenlies, that not one jot or one tittle will pass away from your law till all has been fulfilled. Of the prophet Samuel, Samuel, you said not one of his words fell to the ground without being fulfilled. And Lord, if you so honored an Old Testament prophet, Lord, how much more will you honor the New Testament church, the very bride of Christ? Lord, if we will hold on to the promise of your word and walk by faith and not by sight. Lord, if we'll refuse to focus on the things around us, the temporary things, and instead focus on you. Focus on your calling. Focus on your vision. Focus on your love. Focus on those that you placed around us. Lord, God, the mission that you've given us. Father God, at the end of the day, if we have endurance and we do the will of God, we will inherit the promise of God. That's a truth that we can count on. Until then, we walk by faith and not by sight. And Lord, we just thank you, God, for speaking encouragement and peace to those who need to hear it today. In Jesus' name, amen. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning, most importantly, if you've come into this room without a relationship with Jesus Christ, if He's not your Savior, if you've never given your heart to Him and trusted Him for forgiveness and freedom, I would love to lead you to Him. He knows you better than you understand yourself, but He loves you more than you could ever begin to understand. And if you've never given your heart to Him and you want to do that, or maybe you have at some point, but you're not walking with Him right now, that's just the truth. If you're going to be honest with yourself, you're not really seeking God, you're not really walking with God, it could be a thousand different reasons, but for whatever reason, you've walked away. If you want to come home today or you want to give your heart to Jesus, first and foremost, would you lift your hand in this room? I'd love to pray with you. If there's anybody like that, Okay, secondly, you're a child of God and you know it. And let's just be honest. You know all the right things to say. You've got a lot of quotes that you can pull out and those are good things. Not against them at all. I use them myself. But the reality is, life's hard right now. It's tough. And if you're really being honest with yourself, which you don't really do very often or at least not with others because you want to show yourself strong you're just kind of on the verge of breaking and when I say you're on the verge of breaking I mean that you're just really struggling because you're wondering God where's the answer to this prayer God where's the promise God I don't know if this thing works or not don't throw away your hope don't throw away your confidence Because it has a reward with it. You have need of endurance. So that after you've done the will of God, you'll inherit the promise. After you've done the will of God. What did God call you to do before you got upset? What did God call you to do before you got discouraged? What did God call you to do before you got disillusioned and disappointed? What did God call you to do before you sinned? Gave up, decided that God had given up on you. What did God say? 
Let me tell you something. God didn't change his mind. He knows the end from the beginning. He knew before he ever called you every move you make and everything you do. That doesn't mean he likes everything you've done. But he knows everything you've done. And he loves you anyway. I'm telling you today, don't throw your hope away. Don't throw your faith away. Right now, you just got to live by faith. One day he's coming. One day the promise is coming. But until then, walk by faith. Trust him. Don't give up. I know that word is for somebody. It may be for more than one somebody's. If you're in this room today and you know that's you, you're on your breaking point. You're there. Maybe you've been there for a while. You're discouraged. You're disillusioned. You're disappointed. You're tired. You're beginning to wonder if this thing that God, you've been trying to follow God in is ever going to work out. I'm telling you, God's speaking to you today. Right now, you just got to have endurance. Right now, you got to walk by faith. Right now, it's just don't give up. You're living in a real world with real problems, and you got a real enemy, but God is greater. Trust Him. Hold on. Just keep doing what He called you to do. One day, you're going to inherit the promise. If you know God's talking to you today, I'm not going to draw this out any longer. Would you lift your hand? I want to pray for you this morning. You're ready. You know it's your time. Hallelujah. Anybody else, you know God's speaking to you. You're just at your breaking point because you thought everything was going to be worked out right now. You thought everything would be better right now. Maybe you even had good Christian people tell you, hey, it's, it's, it's going to be better. It's going to be better. It's going to be better. And here you are and it's still all messed up. Don't give up. Don't throw your faith away. It has a reward with it. Anybody else, just real quick, if you had not raised your hand yet, lift it up real high so I know who I'm talking to. All right, let's stand in this room. Those of you who just lifted up your hands, I'm going to challenge you to join with me and everybody else in this room. We're going to make a confession to God. I'm going to give you some words, but I'm going to ask you to own them. If you don't agree with what I say, it won't do you any good to pray it. But if you can come into agreement with what I'm about to say and repeat this prayer with me, I believe God wants to do something in your heart today. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you so much that you never stop loving me. I thank you for grace, for mercy, for your forgiveness. Lord, I give you all that I am, my past, this day, the good and the bad. I confess my sin before you. I ask you to forgive me, Lord. Release me from all bondage. Lord, I put my faith, my trust, and my hope in you and in your word. I believe that you will have the final word over my life and over my circumstances. And I believe that you are good. And I trust you. So I lay everything at your feet. And I receive your peace. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now would you give him praise? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you need prayer for anything today, we'll hang around as long as you need us to. Otherwise, we're going to let you go. Be blessed. Have a great day. Go in the grace of God.